0: I love the quote, something is better than nothing. So I think it goes for revision Goodyear too. We didn't change overnight and quadruple the company. That that never happens. It sounds like it when you look in the rear mirror, but it started with smaller steps. And then we got bold enough to think that we could actually transform the business models for both companies. And that's where you start to have a bigger impact internally on the company, on the customers, and then consumer, where we actually changed our offering and our business model but it didn't start with that huge idea it started with small steps until we felt the courage hmm, let's take a bigger leap and change what we do
1: welcome to the impact multiplier ceo podcast i'm richard Metcalf, founder of x quadrant and my mission is to help the world's top ceos and entrepreneurs shift from incremental to exponential progress and create a huge positive impact on our world. Now, that requires you to reinvent yourself and transform your business. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Maria, over the last six years since you Joined um, Revision and Goodyear as chief executive, you've built a team that has more than quadrupled uh, their business, and so I'm really looking forward to getting into uh, in with you on this topic. But I want to start by what are your counterintuitive points of view that I know you hold? You're um, you're a Swede, Swedish woman living in uh, living in America, so you respect Greta Thunberg and you yourself are recognized as a global impact leader and yet you don't believe that everyone needs to be a global impact leader to make a difference so let's just start there what's your perspective about impact
0: i think my big idea is a small idea if we start there i don't believe that we can all be Greta Thunberg even though i admire people that are able to start a big movement but i think the big movement is starting in the small steps and everybody around you and As a leader, I'm trying as a human being, I'm trying as a parent to break down things to small steps because the small steps actually, they add up and something big is happening. And I think that goes for leaders too. If we can break it down and have, if you think about the impact you have, we have about 400 employees, but they have families. So let's say very close, 2000 people are directly impacted. If we can get everybody to do small things, it adds up. So my big idea is to make it simple and celebrate the the smaller wins. And then I love the quote, something is better than nothing. So I think it goes for revision Goodyear too. We didn't change overnight and quadruple the company. That, that never happens. It sounds like it when you look in the rear mirror, but it started with smaller steps. And then we got bold enough to think that we could actually transform the business models for both companies. And that's where you start to have a bigger impact internally on the company, on the customers and then consumer, where we actually changed our offering and our business model. But it didn't start with that huge idea. It started with small steps until we felt the courage. "Hmm, Let's take a bigger leap and change what we do.
1: Perfect. So let's jump into there. Let's kind of rewind a little bit and, and let's set the scene. So six years ago, you joined Revision Goodyear. As chief executive. So, just, just tell us a little bit what, what's that business and why did you jump into that particular opportunity?
0: So, Revision Skincare is a skincare company. So, we develop and manufacture products that we sell to skincare professionals, so dermatologists, plastic surgeons, medical spas. And uh, it was a family business uh, started in the 80s and I joined as a CEO in 2017. And why I did that, my background is more big, multi billion dollar companies. This was a smaller family business, but it was a hidden gem. And I felt in this industry, there was so much to do. So if you take a step back and think about everything you see in a, in a store, if you go online, when it comes to skincare, if it's not a prescription, it's very few regulations. You can basically, you can, you can do something in your kitchen and sell online. I can do something in your kitchen. And I felt there must be a possibility to raise the bar and do something better and also raise the expectations on everybody around us. So we went from a small niche brand to become what we call an anchor brand that has a full offering. But I think we also challenged the industry standards. How do you prove your product? So coming from pharmaceutical, where I spent over 20 years, very inspired by how you actually prove out the drug and how you do clinical trials. And you can't just put a drug uh, without an approval from the FDA or the similar authorities. We took the same philosophy and approach to skincare and prove it out. And I feel that's needed in this industry. It's a 20 plus billion dollar industry skincare. And there are less than a handful of companies that I think is doing it this way. So I think our contribution is to just raise the bar and encourage everybody around us to do the same
1: yeah i love the fact that you took through your past from pharma and you realized some of the standards there were not being uh, applied in this other area of skin and you decided you know we're going to go above and beyond right you didn't need to do it but you weren't there.
0: we still don't need to do it there is no requirement we choose to do it and i think that's how you can Provide both for our customers, which is physicians, the most discerning uh, skincare specialists you can find, rightfully so. But I also feel that the end consumer today is so much more educated and knowledgeable, and she or he deserves actually proof. Uh, if you spend a lot of money on something, whatever it is, if you digest it, if you put it on your body, it better work. It better deliver. You know what the promise is, and. It's not required today, but that's why we wanted to change it. So I think on on the revision side, we took a, a good company with very good products and just raised the bar to change our industry. On the Goodyear side, it was also transformation. So Goodyear used to be a contract manufacturer organization, meaning you manufacture product, very high quality. But we wanted to become a CDMO where you also develop and become integrated with your clients. So I think... Today, you can come, you can come to, to us with an idea and say, I want this, but we'll make sure you have everything from your go-to-market strategy, your marketing approach, your products, your quality regulation, et cetera. And I think, so in our case, it wasn't a, a revolution, but it was an evolution taking a hidden gem and transform it to something different. And, and I think that's what I've, I've been fortunate to work with my team to do the last six years.
1: Yeah, beautiful. I'm really curious about this idea of, we chose to, we didn't need to. I love the fact that you raised the bar. Did you get resistance either from investors or teams saying like, why are we jumping through these extra hoops? Yeah. So for you, was it a question of like almost a moral imperative? Like we we need to demonstrate these products work or was it like a strategic positioning thing? Nobody else is doing this. If we do this, we're going to get more share. Was it Was it both? You know, what was your thinking process and did you encounter resistance?
0: I think that's a really good question. I think we did it because we feel it's the right thing to do. And in all honesty, I don't believe we still have got the full credit for it. So we have a communication challenge to explain to everybody why does it matter. But we did it because we believe it's the right thing to do. But it costs money. So, of course, you know, our investors are patient uh, and believe in what we're doing. And I think the very line with a bigger mission uh, that we have as a company, but there was resistance. And even from the customers, because they don't always ask for it. So there is an educational hurdle to make sure that they actually question, not just us, they should always question what we do. They should question everybody else as well. So no, it wasn't a given because it's not required. It's not needed. But I think we start to get proof that it's working. So. If you are a physician in the US, for example, you're required to continue education. It's not once you graduate med school that you're done, you need to continue. And we are actually the first non-prescription product uh, or company that is part of that education. So our science then is unbranded. It's not with our brand, it's unbranded data, but the science we have provided has that level and depth. So they feel it should be part of the continuous education. So I think it speaks, we can't measure this in, in money. We just can't. We can't really see exactly what the return on investment is. But I think we're, we're strong believers that this is the right thing to do. And I believe if you follow what your heart tells you and your brain tells you, it eventually pays back. So I'm not worried about that. I think it's, it's mission driven.
1: Yeah, I love it. A lot of it. <laughs> yeah, you, you went in with conviction is what I'm hearing. Went in with conviction. So so to, let's go back to this idea of of small is big and and how that worked out as you came in. So you came into this business, you identified the key areas you wanted to shift or turn around or expand or evolve. How did you start to see this idea that you wanted everybody to be doing their bit, everybody to, to making an impact in their own way, that you wanted to scale your impact already across the employees and their families and beyond, as you mentioned. But How did you actually put that conviction into practice as chief executive?
0: I think painting a picture of a future state is very powerful, even a literal picture. Uh, so we we started with an exercise, where do we stand today? And then where do we want to go? So it was like a from to exercise. In not that many areas, I think we identified five. So I'll give an example. We were we basically were known for two products and we felt, well, with all the good science we have, the backing we have, we should be a complete portfolio that everybody should think about the brand and not just these products. We were only domestic, uh, only in the US. And we put a vision out there that we wanted to become a global player. And now we have a presence in 17 countries outside of the US. We felt that we were extraordinarily transactional in the way we, we were working. So when we met customers, it, it was a transaction. And I think every business I've ever been at, we talk about moving up the ladder and become more of a partner, but that is so much more easy said than done. But we said, this is what we're going to aspire to do. We don't just want to go sell skincare products. And what we do today is that we consult uh, our clients. We sit down with them and look at their business way beyond skincare. What matters to them is what should matter for us. So we envisioned, you know, what we could become and painted that picture. And then we started to take small steps to get there because that doesn't happen overnight. it's like one step at the time, one step at the time. So I started my first day actually at the company talking about the personal achievement that I I, uh, was very proud of, still am, uh, many, many years after, which is a Swedish cross-country, what do you say, competition. It's 90 kilometers. It's pretty far. And um, I'm not a cross-country skier. And I I did this with um, it's tens of thousands of people together with my husband. And it was interesting when we summarized the day. It took eight hours for me to do it. But you have all these stations and every station where you can have something to drink. I was just amazed that I was already there. I was looking back and said, wow, did I come this far? I didn't look at how far I had still to go. And I had the best day ever. I was high on my accomplishment. My husband, he had the worst day ever because that along the course they count down. So they start with 90, then it says 89, 88, 87 kilometers. How much you have still to go? And he was in his head like, "Oh my God, I still have this. I still have this." So w- when we compared notes, I was I was less sore. I was less exhausted. I just felt better even physically. He was exhausted. It was horrible. And I think it was all about the mindset. So when I joined the revision and Goodyear, I gave this example because I said, you don't don't do this thinking that you're going to go 90 kilometers. That's so demoralizing and demotivating. It sounds impossible. It's all these small steps, but guess what? We will get there. So I tried to establish the same kind of philosophy with these very simple metaphors, because everybody has a similar story somewhere in their life. It didn't happen overnight. So translate it to something everybody personally can relate to was a way to install the courage that we can do it as a company
1: yeah i love that story uh yeah it's a great story it reminds me yeah one of the concepts i often teach people is i call it you've got to measure your win you know how far have you come and not compare yourself against the wall that's ahead of you because exactly exactly your point which is your beautiful story it's so demoralizing to always look at what you've not yet done
0: it's almost like a cliche, but I actually think, uh, and I forget about it sometimes too, I think leaders, every level, we have a tendency sometimes to forget about that. We're so focused what we still need to get done, what's not working, what are the weak spots. I almost need like a big sign on, on my desk or on my computer reminding me of this because it's easy to get lost in, in the winds when we're all just moving very quickly and we're a fast moving company. So I think it's a good reminder for everybody too to pause and then translate it to something they can relate to.
1: Yeah, actually, because otherwise, when you're uh, on a exponential path, like when you're on a you know uh, ambitious path, then you're always setting goals that are stretch goals ahead of you because it's what we like to do, but our brain can't cope with it, so we almost invent the goal, and then a millisecond later, feel bad that we haven't achieved it. <laughs> we just made the goal up.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's horrible. The other thing that we talk a lot about in these companies, there is... Ex- there is no finish line. And that's a concept that sometimes can be hard to grasp because if you feel you're running fast and it's like, okay, once I get there, once I get there, I can like pause. But that's not how how the world looks like. It's a constant, there is no finish line. So if you can't figure out to celebrate along the way and and make the small wins very, very easily tangible, it, it just becomes really hard. So... I'm I'm a big believer in in the small wins, even despite the fact that they sound like cliche. But I, there are ways to translate it. You know, I can give you an ex- another example. We sold multiple companies ago small tablets, fluoride tablets for teeth health, and we had a a budget, but the number is not relatable. So we translated it to how far we could go if we lined them up, and we I think we went from Stockholm to Paris or something. And then along the way, we could say, oh, now we're in Copenhagen, you know, we have sold this many tablets. And now we're actually somewhere in Germany. So I, I think to translate it to something fun and relatable is honestly more valuable than most people think.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it is it is really valuable. I mean, it is really valuable. And to be honest, you know, sometimes I shift with my clients. Sometimes I'm working with them on their, you know, billion dollar business ideas. And then sometimes we end up going into like why am I never satisfied, despite all my success? For example, right, and those things—they often come because we're always, we're always in the gap. You know, we're always in the gap to where we want to be and, and, and where we feel we are. And it's yeah, it's a terrible way. You can be your own worst enemy at that point in living life and under, under your own judgment permanently. So, thank you for bringing that one up. Let's talk about what you, you describe as your superpower, which is which is is team building and get, keeping everybody motivated to continuously improve this is a key part right if you want to multiply our impact we do have to multiply the team that we have and their capabilities what have you learned on that process of of empowering your team you know what have you found works what have you tried that didn't work
0: i believe one thing that i i learned relatively early is that i don't like absolutes uh, so i won't use an absolute I actually get almost like a rash from absolute. Very few things in life is always never. But most times, almost with no exception, I would say that everybody I have worked with, they're way better than they think. They're way better. So I believe some of the empowering and maybe scary is that I just trust people that they are capable. And guess what? They are more so than they think. It's it's almost like they're second guessing themselves more than I do. And throw them out there and then if things are, are not working, of course, you step in and help. But I think one of my superpowers is that I really trust that people have so much growth in themselves and it's more a matter of building the comfort and belief in themselves and then actually the rest is magic. So
1: uh, Let me throw you down there, Maria, on that moment. I want to capture that. It's beautiful, right? You actually have more trust in them than they have in themselves. It's a beautiful thing. I want to point it out because, you know, I work with a lot of leaders. I see a lot of leaders, and a lot of them, they're always secretly kind of complaining that they don't trust their team enough, right? That they're not sure their team have got it in them. And I believe in human potential. I believe, you know, you put the right, it's like a flower. You give them the right sunlight and nutrients and water and things thrive, right? And and yet, you know, humans are incredible and yet, people don't often see that. So it's beautiful that you, 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 yeah, you've you've seen that, and and you're able to cool people up onto a bigger level. So I just wanted to honour that, and thank you for for sharing that.
0: I am a big believer, almost naive, and that maybe is sweet in me. But I, I generally trust people uh, until uh, you know. Of course, sometimes you get burned. But even with that, I think my. My thing is I'm almost an impossible optimist, uh, borderline annoying. It doesn't mean that I don't have bad days. Everybody has a bad day, but I truly believe that there is good in in everybody and you just need to figure it out and you do. So it's a combination of combining very different individuals and very diverse group. And when you talk about diversity, sometimes it's too limited you talk about how we look and what skin color we have and what gender and and what nationality I I think it's equally important to think about diversity in the way of thinking because that's when you create the dynamic but that's also one of the biggest challenges because yes it can create tension you know people that are looking at the, the world very differently it takes longer to get that understanding but once you do get so many more perspectives and the end result is so rewarding. So I've always, if you look at every team I worked with, they may not have started that way. When I joined it, I may have inherited a more, a team with, with lookalikes, but I always uh, left with an extraordinary diverse team in both in, in what you can see on the outside, but not the least how people are thinking on the inside. So I think that is probably the best advice I can get to any leader is to not shy away from that it's hard to and you you get comfortable and you have blind spots so even if you don't know it you may surround yourself with people that are thinking in the same way so it has to be intentional and it has to be almost when you interview someone and feel hmm i don't know that person thinks so differently and that should be a plus that should be a plus not a negative
1: i hope you're enjoying this conversation This is just a quick interlude to introduce you to two transformative programs that we run. The first is Rivendell, my exclusive group of top CEOs who are committed to transforming themselves, their businesses and the world. It's an incredible peer group and a deep coaching experience that will push you to new heights no matter how successful you've already been. The second is Impact Accelerator, a coaching program for executives who are ready to make a big leap forward in their own leadership. It's regularly described as life-changing and no other programme provides such personal strategic clarity, a measurable shift in stakeholder perceptions and a world-class leadership development environment. Find out about both of these programmes at xquadrant.com services. Now back to the conversation. How do you find that? Like, how do you concretely identify? Because a lot of people don't even see it and they just instinctively go, that person's got a fit. You're almost saying, look, people you don't have a fit with. So how do you you use certain psychometrics? Do you look for certain, like, do you have a mental model where you see I need to have some people who are really, like, innovative and some people who are really kind of stable? And, uh, you know, do you break it down in that way or do you just trust your your gut instinct? How do you do that?
0: I'm trying to break it down to some extent. And when I'm meeting people and interviewing people, I, I always ask, uh, which is like a softball, it's like, oh, what are you most proud of? And, and, and then I'm specifying it can be a small thing, doesn't need to be, I want it to be work-related uh, because otherwise most people, including myself, oh, my children, you know, you know? And, and that's not the answer I'm looking for in that moment. I'm looking for something that has to do with work. Uh, and then I follow up with what is that moment when you went back from work that day and wanted to put something over you because that's like that was horrible. And it's so interesting to see what people answer. The questions aren't that revolutionary, but the answers differ so much. Who has the courage to actually be vulnerable in that moment and share something when they truly messed up? And what did they do with that? And who gives this very generic, oh, I am. Um, I'm too ambitious. That's probably my biggest problem. You know, I I set too high standards. I'm a perfection. That those are not the answers I'm looking for. So, even in that moment, you can see are individuals vulnerable? Do they have the courage to speak up? And do they also come in with their whole selves? Because that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for someone that puts a, a work suit on when they walk into the office. You know, that morning it has to be the full person. So. I'm extraordinarily curious, you know, what makes them tick? What are their drivers? And I'm not looking for the same answer. I'm just looking for the answers. And then I'm thinking about, okay, I have one person in this team and that person is driven by XYZ. So I don't want a copy of that. I, want, I don't want a clone. I want something different. So I tailor my questions, but I, I'm trying in, a, in an interview to get a little bit deeper and, and look into vulnerabilities. Without making people feel uncomfortable, so I think I have a method honestly, to figure that out, but it's um it's not patented
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't resist i want to I want to know for you now. what are you most proud of yourself in your work?
0: I'm still most proud of one comment I got very many years ago, so I became um a gm president um when I was very young, I was just thirty years old. and I even told the people recruiting me, do you realize that I actually don't know what I'm doing? You know, I I don't have the experience. And then I um, had a team that ranged from 63 years old to some really out of school, out of college uh, individuals. And um, this was another company that grew tremendously. It's called Activist uh, Pharmaceutical Company. And we also tripled and uh, took something to 40 plus uh, EBITDA margin. You know, the results were amazing, but that wasn't the thing. So when I left uh, and I took this um, public CEO um, job, they had a, a very nice celebration. And one of the guys, he he was a tough cook, you know, he he was really more of a pessimist, you know, not really happy. You always felt like, is he really happy? Do we give him what he wants to, to do? And his, his, his uh, comment was, what I want to thank you, Maria, is really you made me stretch myself and i've done things that i, I wasn't i didn't know i could you know you, you trusted me and you get that was probably my proudest moment because i was so fresh as a leader and, and i felt i don't have the experience you know and i'm hiring a team with non-experienced very experienced you know i hope i don't mess them up for the rest of their lives and it turned out that multiple of those team members we were just seven from the beginning that we grouped to a much much bigger company uh, multiple of them are CEOs today and presidents. So I think it was that early trust. But that comment is still one of the best comments I've ever received.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing it. I'm going to have to ask you as well, what's the moment that you most would like to redo? or What's your what's your kind of difficult moment?
0: I, I feel I... Um, came in when I moved to the US, being Swedish and coming perhaps with a very Scandinavian style, that I underestimated the differences. I think you could probably say a little bit of, of arrogance there. It's like, hey, I can almost speak the language. Still can't really speak the language, but I'm I'm picking it up a little bit. And I just assumed a lot of things. I assumed a lot of things and I that was stupid of me. Um to, to be frank. And I, I think it was perhaps a combination of a little bit of insecurities. You don't want to expose what you don't know. So instead of asking, I just assumed and I, I made a lot, lot of really bad assumptions and came up with some really bad ideas. And the, what I didn't know is that it's way more hierarchy driven in the US. Scandinavia is extraordinarily flat. We don't have a lot of actual respect for authorities and everybody feels they have a say so I threw out things like ideas not really knowing what I was talking about not being humble enough to really ask and then they ran with it and it was it was a horrible idea so I I find out a few weeks later later that something I said in a meeting someone took that and ran with it and it was really bad idea (laughs) so I asked like why did you do that why did you run with that idea well you said so it's like no I was just thinking out loud you have to tell me if I'm doing stupid things, I I gathered the team at the time and said, okay, this is the deal. You know, I I don't know half of what you do. I don't know a fraction. And I'm going to come in here. Yes, I have perhaps on paper a title and a a high position, but you have to help me and you need to work with me so we don't make stupid ideas or make stupid decisions and, and implement stupid ideas. And I think that was a very humbling moment because I walked in assuming a lot. And after that, I've learned... Never assume. Never assume. It's the, the biggest mistake you can you can make. Always ask.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's great. It's a great example. Working cross culturally, there's all sorts of things we can get caught up on there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's very interesting.
1: Yeah, let, let me ask you um, about about you know revision and good as you go forward. You've obviously made big progress since since you joined. But where would you like to take that business? You know, or well, what's what would be an extraordinary outcome? You know, as you look to grow, grow those companies.
0: I believe if we start again, what what are we about? So the skin is our biggest organ, and I always look at the skin as the armor to everything in the world. You know, from pollution and damaging sun. As much as we love it as Swedes, you know, it's not really good for you. And so I feel the more we can educate, the more we can help people get a healthy skin and and consequently actually also beautiful skin because there is a huge aesthetic aspect of of skincare. I think that's a mission in itself. If if I break it down to revision specifically, I would love to see us reach a much broader audience, make our products more available, uh, both in the United States, but also globally. Uh, And I do want to simplify what can today be intimidating? Because a lot of people don't want to ask, and they, it, you don't know you're standing in front of a wide assortment of stuff, and you have no idea what you're going to buy and spend money on. So, I feel if revision can contribute to raising the bar, with proof, raising the bar with education, and just actually get people to take care of their skin because we don't, we just don't. I, we take it for granted until we get a problem. Because I come from the medical side, so I started in medical dermatology so i see what happens uh, and many of the things you treat in dermatology is actually you can prevent them um so from a mission perspective if we can impact people's skin and consequently, their quality of life that would be fantastic for revision i i want us to continue to grow because the more we grow the more we can support internally our people, the more we can support our customers, the more we can support the, the community we're in. So I think growth in itself is beautiful and, and something I hope we can continue to accomplish. But then I also want to come with that complete novel technology that is changing how we treat skin today. That, that's an aspiration as well. So we spend a lot of time in research. So there's a lot of, a lot of aspirations, but I actually think we're on, on our path to execute on most of them.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. You have these two different companies. Um, you have this this global ambition. You have a mission that you're working on. I know the business as well gives back a lot into its community and, and as, well, as well as directly commercial activities. What's next for you, right? Because my question I'm always fascinated on is how successful leaders need to reinvent themselves to free up their next level of impact. So how might you multiply your own impact? You know, what would the business need from you? for you to play at a bigger level.
0: So is the question how I motivate myself and reinvent myself or is it
1: more how... Yeah, what way you need to shift in your own style of leadership to to move forward, right? To multiply your own impact.
0: I think I should be way more into the weeds that I still have a tendency to be. I um, It comes from if you're very small, you have to, but as you grow, there is a time and place where you need to step back and, uh, and really make sure that what you're focusing on is more more removing obstacles, making sure it, it's really servant leadership, I think, that I believe in. If I can remove myself from more of the daily details, I think I can have a bigger impact by connecting us with other organizations, I think, like connecting us with authorities, have an impact perhaps even on the regulation, you know, what's required to, to play in this space. That would be to take our impact beyond our company and more at an industry level. So personally, I I would love to do that combined with I always try to support not the least women, both professionally, but also uh, that are underserved and and, uh, can need some help. And um, I I think what we do as a business is actually doing both. But I would love to have a little bit more of my time to think beyond the products and think more about the impact in, in society. So but it, it's it goes to myself that I need to let go of a few things and that's always difficult.
1: It's always a journey, right. Yeah. It's it's always a journey. I think probably every almost everyone I speak to and ask that question. There's some variant of there's something I'm doing I need to let go of to free up time for that next for that next level. So thank you for that. Maria, it's been a really a fun conversation. I've loved getting into some of your perspectives. You know, we've looked at the fact that small is big. We've, you know, that we can make impact at a small scale rather than intimidating ourselves with everyone with a, with a huge, huge mission. Uh, I love this, the fact that you looked at what you learned from pharma, realised there was an opportunity to raise the bar in skincare, um, on the research side, and that you decided we didn't need to do it, but we choose to do it because it's the right thing. And I think that's a fantastic uh, leadership position in, in of itself. So thank you for kind of sharing that. That's insp- that's inspiring. And then I think. You know, we spoke a lot of time around this idea of you know, measure the win that you've made, the progress that you've made, rather than how many kilometers of the cross-country skiing you still have to complete, which is, which is a great story. And this idea of diverse thinking, right? What are you most proud of? Uh, you know, wh- wh- what would you fail is great questions just to get under the skin of people and to see am I building people who are having the same kinds of answers to the same kinds of questions or are people interested and focused and thinking about things in a different way? So I think those are great, great questions. And I'm just, yeah, I'm impressed at how you've been able to build these two businesses out simultaneously in many different areas, expanding globally, and keeping this mission uh, impact focus as well as financial success. So it's been a, a real pleasure speaking with you. And I look forward to hearing the rest of the story as it evolves.
0: Well, thank you. I just want to say one, one last thing that I think has been the the guiding principle. I stole it. I didn't invent this, but... I always talk about my one, ten, and one hundred points. You get one point for for an idea. You get ten plan uh, ten for a plan, but one hundred for execution. And the, that has been something that in every company I worked with within has been embraced because what it really says is don't overcomplicate things. Take something, but take do it, actually do it instead of just thinking. And I think that's where we have the impact. You know, it's easy to just get paralyzed by thinking and planning and actually not doing anything but throw yourself all the way and, and execute and then everything doesn't go well. But I, I think that has been my motto that I have tried to install and it's actually working. So that would be my my big ask of everybody, you know, think 110 or 100 points. And if we get a few 100 points, we can actually change the word. Sound, sounds cliche, but it, it works. Trust me, I tried. <laughs> so
1: That's beautiful. You're going to get me obsessing about my own point system now. So... Uh... Maria, if people want to find out more about you,
0: it's a good system. But you have already 100 points with the podcast. I'm very impressed by that. So,
1: <laughs> thank you. So, if people want to find out more about you or about the business, where do they do that?
0: I think about me personally is probably LinkedIn. So, Maria Carell um, at LinkedIn. Then there aren't that many. If you find revision skincare or beauty cosmetics, you'd find me professionally i I would encourage people to follow us on social media that's where i think we communicate the most so revision skincare or goodyear uh goody labs is is really where to find us so and if anybody wants to contact me personally it's just message me through linkedin that's the
1: easiest way perfect well maria thank you so much it's been a pleasure speaking with you and all the best for the future thank
0: you i enjoyed this thank you
1: very much goodbye well that's a wrap if you received value from this conversation, please do leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. We'd deeply appreciate it. And if you'd like to check out the show notes from this episode, head to xquadrant.com podcast where you'll find all the details. Now, finally, when you're in top leadership, who supports and challenges you at a deep level to help you multiply your impact? Discover more about the different ways we can support you at xquadrant.com.